0: number six. Isaiah 55 and verse number six. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now, the passage is calling for everyone that is listening and everyone that is reading to seek the Lord. Number one, I want you to notice there is an individual challenge. There is an individual challenge in this passage of scripture to seek the Lord. Notice what he says in verse six, seek ye the Lord. In verse number six, he says, call ye upon him. Now this is a plural form of the second person pronoun, but he is saying, I want you to seek the Lord and he's giving it personally. The Bible is a personal book as brother Paul so ably presented to us that it's not just general truth for a general audience to pass us by and to be helpful to the next guy. No, it is personally directed to each one in this room, to each one in this county, to each one in this country, to each one in this world. Seek ye the Lord. God is a God of the individual. When he came to to this earth through the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to rescue the individual. And you find him over and over and over going to the individual. He comes to the individual Samaritan woman in John chapter four. He comes to the individual lepers in Luke chapter number 17. He comes to the individual blind man named blind Bartimaeus. He came to the individual, individual who had died, the individual son who was being buried and carried out of the town of Nain, and he touched the byre and the coffin and raised him from the dead. He came to the individual, Jairus' daughter. God is a God of the individual. If you study religion, you will find that religion goes to the masses and affects the masses and reaches the masses and wants to go to the masses, and that's all. But the individual is the one that God is after. That means God is after you. That means God is after me. And there is an individual challenge in this passage of Scripture that continues not just in verse 6, but in verse 7 as well. Notice, he says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. This is a challenge to pursue God. And the challenge to seek the Lord is found all throughout the Bible. The Bible says, they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Those that seek the Lord will are challenged to seek The Lord, while he may be found, we're challenged to seek him early. It says we're to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, the challenge to seek God is a challenge to pursue God, to pursue his will, to pursue his way, to pursue his word, to pursue his person. I want to ask, have you sought him? Now, you seek him first for salvation because that's the world's greatest need and that's the individual's greatest need to be saved. I want to ask, have you been saved from your sin? Do you know that you're going to heaven when you die? Do you know that if you died today, hell would not be your destiny, but heaven would be yours? If you don't know that, that's the very fundamental and basic part of seeking the Lord but then after you've se- sought him for salvation you're to seek him daily 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 for his blessing upon your life for his guidance in your life for his his favor upon your life i want to ask are you seeking the lord it's a challenge to pursue then it's a challenge to plead now again this is both for those that are saved and those that are uh those those that are not saved and those that are saved it's a challenge to plead you said preacher, where word you get it watch verse number 6 he Says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found, call ye upon him while he is near. That is a command to plead, a challenge to plead with the Lord. Listen to the scripture. In the book of Joel, the Bible says in prophecy that there would come a day when those that, that called upon him would, would be saved. And the fulfillment of that began in Acts chapter number two, when Peter gets up and he preaches Pentecost and 3,000 people called upon him. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Again, Romans 10 and verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a command to plead. You say, Lord Jesus, save me. I'm in a desperate way. I'm headed to hell. I'm a sinner who's undone. Oh God, would you save me? The same idea with the Romans ten thirteen passage that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is the same idea found in Psalm 40 when it says that I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He lifted me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. In other words, the idea of whosoever shall call is to call like a man in a pit would call. Now, usually they would dig pits in Bible times to catch sometimes thieves or enemy soldiers. They would dig those pits deep. They would dig them long. Sometimes, even they do today, they would put sharp uh, pointed objects at the bottom to break their fall with some kind of pain and debilitate them from getting out. They would do the same thing for wild animals to try to catch a lion or some predator. And they would do so so that that would eliminate the threat. Now, let's say you're down in a pit. You were just out uh, hanging, and you didn't expect this and you got off the tractor for a little bit and some somebody somehow had dug a pit or maybe there was some kind of a sinkhole. You know, they have several of those out in Florida make you want to stay up in Colorado. But anyway, uh, let's say, say there's a sinkhole and you sink down... Uh, 30 feet, 40 feet, and you can't climb your way out when you pull the roots, it just brings dirt down on you. You you can't jump your way out. The cold of night is about to settle in. Maybe when you fell, your fall was broken by some rock that was there, and you broke a leg. So you're helpless down in the pit. What are you going to do? Now, I know some people are gonna be super spiritual and say, well, I'd pray. Well, I would too, but I'm talking about what are you going to do to get out of this pit? I'll tell you what i do. I'd cut my hand to my mouth, I'd look up, and as loudly as I could scream, I'd cry, Help! That's the idea behind whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the idea behind the passage in verse 6 of Isaiah 55. Call ye upon him while he is near. Call upon the Lord. The the idea is to plead, oh, God, save me. And There are some in this place this morning who have never done that. You've never come to a place of humility. You've never come to a place of admission of who you really are. You've never come to a place of reality of I'm in a pit, and pretty soon the bottom of this pit is going to drop out, and I'm going to slip straight into hell. Oh, God, would you save me? Maybe because you're a self-made Western man pull yourself up by your bootstraps, figure it all out on your own, pay your own way. If you, you, you owe somebody, you just figure it out and you pay, pay back your debts. You, 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 listen to me. Your sin debt is far greater than you could pay in a hundred lifetimes. You need help from God. I know it may not speak to your pride. I, may, I know it may not boost your ego, But if you're here this morning and you have never called upon Christ like a man in a pit in desperation saying, Lord, help me, today is the day you need to do that. It's the idea of pleading, oh, God, save me. Many times in the New Testament when the Lord Jesus came to someone or someone came to the Lord Jesus, they were in a desperate way. I think of Jairus' daughter. He came to Jesus and said, Lord, my daughter is at home sick. Oh, please, will you rescue her? Please, will you save her? That's the idea of pleading. Uh, It's the blind man that comes with 10 of his other companions and they cry, not worrying about what anybody else thinks, not worrying about whether this is socially acceptable, not worrying about whether or not this is going to be a proper protocol. This is crying out in desperation, Lord, have mercy on us. I want to ask, have you done that? You see, this is a challenge to pursue God. It's a challenge to plead with God. And then notice what he says. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. It's a challenge to part. It's a challenge to pursue, a challenge to plea, and a challenge to part. Apart from your wicked way. That's what he's saying. He's saying, let the wicked forsake his way. Now, the concept of the word way in the Bible is very interesting. It has to do with the path, a way, a pattern, a habit, a, a way of thinking, if you will. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Do You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Some people think, well, my way of religion is good enough. I'll go to church once a month, or I'll go to mass, or I'll go to some temple or some mosque. It's good enough for God. And some are very devout. They're not just once a month. I mean, they're weekly, and some of them are daily. And this way seems right. It seems right because it was passed down from one family to the next. It seems right because a lot of people are going this way. It seems right because it has religious ritual attached to it. It seems right because there are some references to God. They've never really inspected it. They've never really examined it. They certainly have never really examined it in light of the scripture, which cuts against most religions in this world. They've never really a- examined it in light of what God thinks. And so this way seems right. It seems right because it's what's been passed down from generation to generation. It seems right because there are a lot of people going this way. It seems like right because there are some religious trappings. But I want to ask, when we're considering heaven or hell... Do you want to be on a way that seems right or a way that is right? Jesus said, I am the way. Do you want to be on a way that seems right or a way that is right? Years ago I was coming back from college. I was uh, coming back with a friend of mine named Jeff Whiteford, and, and uh, he was driving, and so I was supposed to be navigating, I guess. It was before the grand days of GPS when you could have another woman in the car telling you what to do. And, and so, uh, so we were just driving along, just driving along, enjoying life, and, and uh, we were coming down i ninety ninety four from Minneapolis, and we were going to go down through Chicago and all the way down to North Carolina, and we stopped to get gas. And we got back on the road and settled in, seemed like everything was good. And, and I thought we were all good, so I, as the navigator, could just go to sleep. So I went to sleep. And the next thing I knew, Jeff was saying, hey, 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 what's that? What's that? That's a sign that says, welcome to Minnesota, which was the original point of our journey. So we had gone from Minnesota, stopped to get gas, and we'd gotten on a road, and, and, and he contacted his dad, and, and we figured out exactly where we were at, and we had gotten on 90, which cut us back into the southern part of Minnesota. So we figured this out. We turned back around, and we headed back, and we had to get gas. Guess where we had to get gas? <laughs> the same place we'd filled up before now if it seemed right i mean it seemed right to me he was driving he's supposed to know which way he's going and and the map it's all the same blue road it was a blue road so it had to be right it seemed right i went to sleep on that it seemed right but if we would kept going pretty soon we'd have been clear out to california and our destination was north carolina Now, that's not a big deal if you're just coming back from college. In fact, hey, who needs college? You know, we could have skipped out to California and had a grand old time. But when you're talking about heaven and hell, do you want to be on a way that seems right or on a way that is right? You see, this is a command or a challenge to pursue the Lord, seek ye the Lord, a command to plead, call ye upon him while he is near. And it's a command to part, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Oh, our ways are so corrupt. Our patterns, our habits are so corrupt. Sometimes we don't even know it. Do you know what they tell us? Scientists tell us that someone who is hooked on pornography has similar brain patterns that you can see on a scan to someone who is hooked on meth. There is some kind of pleasure r- pleasure impulse and, and, and pleasure secretion in the brain that causes patterns to be developed in the brain that say, this is a good way, this is a right way, this is a fulfilling way for a porn addict And it is almost identical to someone hooked on meth or dope or cocaine. It's a way and a pattern that has been beaten down in the brain that says, this is a good way, this is a way that will satisfy. And it never does. You always have to come back for more. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll come to Jesus, he'll blow up those old ways and those old patterns, and he'll put down a new road that is actually satisfying and is actually fulfilling. His way is the best way. He is the only way of salvation. And if you're here this morning and you've not been saved, today you ought to come to him. Number one, there is an individual challenge. He says, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. But I want you to notice something else. Look at what our text says in Isaiah 55. Look at the reference to thoughts. Verse number eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, God's ways are best. God's ways are better. God's ways are above. Why don't you humble your heart and come to Jesus and believe on Him and trust in Him? If you don't, you'll have all eternity to think about it in a place called hell. Watch now. There's an individual challenge. It's a challenge to pursue, a challenge to plead, a challenge to part. But then watch now. It's a challenge to port You're not just turning from that which is wicked and going nowhere. You're turning from that which is wicked and running to Jesus. He says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. Now, folks, look here. You and I have been made in God's image. God is tripartite. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are made body, soul, and spirit. We are made in God's image. And the one part that was ruined and flawed, others were affected, but the one part that was flawed at the fall was our spirit. And God is the one that is our origin. He is the one that made us. So when we come away from our wicked ways and return, we're coming back to the Lord. Look here. He's not just saying, turn from your wicked ways and find some new way. He's not saying, turn from your wicked thoughts and find your own thoughts. That would make us awash in philosophy and vain deceit. He is saying, turn from your wicked ways and return unto the Lord. That's what God is saying. There is an individual challenge, not just for the general masses, but for you personally. This passage, this verse is for you right now. God brought you to this place. Yes, to enjoy some friendship. Yes, to enjoy some fellowship. Yes, to enjoy some food. That's all fine and good, but it is completely secondary to you turning to the Lord and the time to do it is right now. Notice, number one, there is an individual challenge. Number, one, there, number two, there needs to be an instantaneous choice. An instantaneous choice. You say, why? Watch verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. You preacher, what what are you saying? I'm saying there's a time where he may not be found. There is a time where he may not be near. You see, this, this is a sense of urgency with it. It is something that is time sensitive. It is momentary. Right now, you need to seek Him. Right here, today. You might have the opportunity today, but it will be gone tomorrow. I used to think that trusting Christ was just one grand 24-7, 365-day opportunity. But the longer I live, the less and less I think that's so. You have a moment right now, a moment right now where people who have cared about you and loved you and reached out to you and invited you to this place and you've responded positively to that invitation. You have a group of people right here and right now who have been praying for this moment You have a preacher who has led this church in such a way and people have, got in a godly way, followed him so that there is an opportunity and a place in Fort Morgan, Colorado, not very far from where you live, that you can hear the gospel that Jesus died and was buried and rose again and only through the gospel can you get to heaven, only through believing on Christ, not through joining this church, not through doing some religious ritual, not through having a pattern or a, a consistent habit of good works and good deeds, not through giving money to charity or to a religious organization, but through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The idea of calling upon Him, the idea of, of, of believing on Him and repenting. You have a place right here that preaches that. Not every place in the world has that. Not every person in the world has that. You have such opportunity right now with a preacher that preaches the gospel and has led his church to be a beacon of the gospel, people who love you and care for you. You have somebody that has invited you to this service, and while you may have come for the food, you're here to hear the gospel right now. This is time-sensitive. This moment is here for a moment, and it's quickly passing. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that he may not be found at another moment. He may not be found because of a defiant or a hard heart. Do you realize that every time the word of God is opened, every time it is read, every time it is clearly and faithfully preached, and you hear it, you will be held responsible for your response. Someday you'll give an account for what you did with the Lord Jesus On October 20th, 2019, whether you responded humbly to the word of God as we heard Josiah did in Sunday school, as we heard he came before the Lord with a humble and a repentant and a a contrite heart admitting God's way and God's truth and laying himself bare, he responded to the word of God. The word of God was presented and available to many kings in Judah. Not all of them responded with a tender heart. It was given to many kings in Israel. None of them responded with a tender heart. It has been given over and over and over. Listen to me. God has given his word, but he hasn't just given his word. He's given creation. Anybody with a brain and and eyes can look around and say, this is a bigger world than me, and whoever made this world must be bigger than me and must be wiser than me. Lord, whoever you are, would you reveal yourself to me? He's given you a conscience. That means he's written the law of God in your heart so that you know what is right and wrong. I have traveled to 22 countries around the world and in some of those countries I've been in the darkest jungles and in places where people have walked for hours and days just to hear preaching and they have, yet they have the word of God written in their heart though some of them have never even seen a copy of the word of God. The laws that they have in their society have reflected the laws of the word of God and they've never seen a copy of the word of God. How is that possible? Because in the heart of every man, God has given a conscience. The law of God either excusing or accusing. So you and I have creation. We have conscience. We have compassion. The Bible says, "The grace of God, which bringeth salvation, hath appeared to all men." In other words, every person has had the opportunity to 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 step into eternity, and God has held them back. God has shown His favor. God has reached out and and extended their life. They've been given the grace of God and the opportunity to respond to God. But then we have Christ, because in John chapter one, the Bible says in verse nine, "That was the true life." which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And he's given you these lights over and over and over again. And then in an act of sheer mercy and grace, he offers to you the word of God so that you can hear it and respond to it and respond rightly to it and, and obey it and believe it. Why would you turn it away? Why would you put it off? Why would you say another day? Why would you say no to his pleading? Why would you say my way is better than God's way? When he's clearly given you the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God, his commandments, why would you say no to that light? You see, he may not be found because of a a defiant hard heart. I think of Pharaoh, who was given an opportunity to obey God. And the first time that Moses met him and said, this is what the Lord has said, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. He could have said, I'll submit to the Lord. But you know what he said instead? Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? I know not the Lord, neither will I let His people go. You know what happened? He responded negatively to God's Word and his heart became hard. And every time that God sent a plague, ten more severe plagues as time increased, his heart became harder and harder and harder until his own firstborn son died as a result of God's judgment, and then Pharaoh would soon die. He may not be found because of a hard heart. He may not be found because of a confused or a deceived heart. Do you know if you allow it, the devil will confuse you. I think of what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 when Jesus is speaking about the parable of, of the good ground and the stony ground. In Matthew 13 in verse number twenty seven or 22, he says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word and he becometh unfruitful hey, ladies and gentlemen, he may not be found. Our Lord, who is so good and so kind and so gracious, may not be found because of a hard heart. He may not be found because of a deceived heart. He can be found now. Seek him now. Seek him while he may be found because there may be a day when he may not be found because of a hard heart or because of a deceived heart. He may not be found because of a cluttered heart or a distracted heart. I think of Agrippa, who had the opportunity of a lifetime to listen to Paul, the little short, short preacher. I just believe that Paul had to be short. All good preachers are short. Anyway. He was a little short, bug-eyed preacher, and here Paul stands before Agrippa, and he gives his testimony, one of the most powerful explanations of a gospel and the impact of the gospel in a person's life. He basically said to Agrippa, look, I was a murderer, I was injurious, I was a blasphemer before I got saved, I was collecting Christians, imprisoning them, separating them, and killing them, but God was merciful to me, and he saved me. And as Agrippa listened, he had a lot of other things in his mind and heart going on. And he said, you know, this sounds good, Paul, but I don't know. Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, but I don't know. That's a distracted and a cluttered heart that has so many other things vying for its attention and its loyalty and its love. And as far as we know, Agrippa died and went straight to hell and is there right now because of his distracted heart. You know, the time to be saved is right now. God never says, get saved later. He never gets, says, get saved someday. Hey, a person may, may not find the Lord or the Lord may not be found because of a, are you ready? A stopped heart. Once you cross the threshold from this life into the next, there's no opportunity to be saved then. Your opportunity to be saved is right now. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. You're here right now. You should be saved. I was preaching in Minnesota some years ago, and there was an older man in his 80s that came forward during a service. He and a teenager came forward that same night to get it settled. You know what he said to me? He said, I just went to the doctor. I was just diagnosed with dementia. He said, I'm not sure that I'm saved and I want to get settled before I don't even know my own name. You know what he understood? There's a time when the Lord may not be found. May not be near. Now listen to me. If you hear God calling your voice clearly and loudly and firmly and certainly... Call upon him right now. If you hear God calling your voice, and it's just a whisper, just a whisper, sin has so cluttered your life and so covered you up like the earthquake rubble that would bury a victim down beneath the rubble, and you hear his voice, and you hear stones moving, but it's just a faint whisper. Call upon him. If you're at the top of the falls and you see people screaming wildly, turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, and someone with a nail-pierced hand reaches out and grabs you, reach out and grab him! If you're down at the bottom of the falls and somehow by some chance of grace and mercy you are at the bottom of the falls and still alive and you see the, the outline of a boat and you hear people screaming and they're throwing a life preserver to you, reach out and take him! If you hear him loudly and clearly, if you hear him through a faint whisper, through all the din and the cacophony of noise that is around you, call upon him! he will save you. You see, this is an instantaneous choice that must be made now. Do you know there's only one time that God says to get saved in the Bible? Only one time now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He says in Ecclesiastes 12, come now, remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth. When the evil days come, not know the years draw nigh. When thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. You see, there's number one, an individual challenge. Number two, an instantaneous choice. But number three, there is an incredible cleansing. Look at our text, verse number seven, Isaiah 55. He says, let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will Abundantly pardon. This is an incredible cleansing. God wants to pardon you and me of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Now it only takes one sin to keep you out of heaven and send you straight to hell, but you and I are awash in sin. Think of it. If you commit one sin, uh, three sins a day by thinking one wrong thought, one wrong word, and doing one wrong deed, you're guilty of a thousand sins a year. Think of that. That means uh, I'm forty-five, so I'm forty-five thousand in the hole. Imagine that. That means uh, that that means Brother Paul. He's forty-some thousand in the hole. That means Brother Shannon. He's well over a hundred thousand in the hole. I mean, think of it, <laughs> folks. Hear it. Think of it. We are guilty not just of one. One. One sin would send us straight to hell. One sin would keep us from heaven forever. But. We're guilty of thousands, and yet God has promised in His grace and mercy to abundantly pardon, to wash us clean, to have mercy upon us. What a God! What grace! What goodness that He would cleanse us! He makes you want to ask with the, the prophet, who is a God like unto thee, that can Tra- passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. See, some people think that God's up in heaven. He, he's counting our sin, and he's just ready to wallop us. But God is up in heaven with abundant mercy for every sinner. In fact, if every one of the seven billion sinners in the world trusted Jesus Christ this morning, and I can think of nothing more wonderful than that, it wouldn't tax the blood of Jesus in the least. It wouldn't drain the oceans of God's grace dry. In the least, He's got enough grace to pardon every one of us. And then some, He will abundantly pardon. You see, there's only two people in the whole universe that know how deeply you've gone into sin. You and the Lord. And you can trust in your own way that seems right. And you can go on in your own path That seems good and step one minute into hell after you die. Or you can trust in the one who knows all your sin and sent his only beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die, shed his blood, be buried, and rise again to take all of your sin completely and forever away and bury it in the depths of the sea. Roger Woodward and his family because of the mass of attention that was shown them after he and his sister had been rescued from Niagara Falls. She at the top and he at the bottom. Their family, two years after they'd moved to Buffalo, New York, moved away. As I said earlier, he and his sister didn't even talk about it for 34 years. That was part of their parents' wish because there was so much attention, it just totally disrupted their family. But later, he came back. And he talked to those of part of the Niagara Falls Society and he said this, he said, it was not luck, it was not chance, it was not the spirit of Niagara that saved me from certain death that day. It was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself who saved me. Because though we were saved physically on that day, we were not saved spiritually, but because God spared us physically that day, later He would allow us to hear the gospel and allow us to believe on Jesus Christ and we would be saved forever from a certain hell and certain doom. He said it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend, that has brought you to this place to hear this message and understand that Jesus loves you with an everlasting love and will forgive you of all your sins if you will come to him and seek the Lord while he may be found. Would you bow with me in prayer? I want to thank you for your kind and patient attention to the word of God this morning. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed, who would say, preacher, without a doubt. I know that there's a time in my life when I have trusted Jesus Christ, when I have sought him for my soul's salvation and for my forgiveness of sin. You say, preacher, I'm not hoping or wishing or thinking that I'll go to heaven. I know that if I died today, I would go to heaven and would not go to hell. Now, friend, please, if you don't know that, it won't help you or me to raise your hand. But if you know for a fact that your sins are forgiven and that your home is heaven, if you died today, you'd be in heaven. If you died 10 years from now, you'd be in heaven because you've trusted in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone to save you. If you can say that as a testimony to the Lord, would you just slip your hand up right now? Preacher, I know that if I died today, I would be in heaven. There is no doubt whatsoever in my mind. Thank you, ma put your hands down. Now, I saw several who couldn't raise their hand. I couldn't see everyone, but I saw several. And I know that God Almighty stands ready and waiting right now to forgive and cleanse all who will call upon Him. If you said, Preacher, I could not raise my hand just now, but I really truly would like to know that my sins are forgiven, that He has pardoned me and shown mercy to me. I would like to know that if I died today, I would go to heaven and not hell. You can If you said, Preacher, I don't know that. I could not honestly raise my hand, but I would like to know that. If that's you, would you just quietly lift your hand in this building? Slip it up and let me see it. In a moment, I'll remember you in prayer. God bless you. Is there someone else? Thank you. Is there another? Preacher, I could not raise my hand just now, but I truly would like to know that my sins are forgiven, and when I die, I'm ready to meet the Lord. Anyone else along with these, just slip up your hand and put it right back down. Preacher, please pray for me. Thank you. Is there someone else along with these. I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I would like to know, and I'd like to get it settled right now. Anyone else, along with these, slip up your hand, put it right back down. Now, if you were one who just raised your hand, I want to speak to you personally right now. You can know that you're going to heaven. You can be certain that you're saved and forgiven if you will come to Jesus and believe on Jesus. This is what someone said, Being saved is as simple as A, B, C, A. You must admit that you're a sinner. B, you must believe that Jesus died and rose again for you. C, you must call upon Him to save you. And if you will admit that you're a sinner, undeserving of God's love, and believe on Christ who made this salvation possible, and call upon Him, He'll save you. You preacher, can I be saved today? I want to tell you, you can be saved right there, right now where you sit. If you'll call upon Him, He'll save you. If you're here just now and you could not raise your hand saying, Preacher, I I know that I'm saved. You can be saved right there where you sit. It's as simple as receiving a gift. If you've received a gift, you know enough to be saved. Jesus said, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. So if right there you'll receive His gift of eternal life by faith, And call upon Him. He'll save you. I want to urge you right there where you sit to bow your heart before the Lord Jesus and ask Him to save you. You could pray something simple and sincerely like this. Just pray this to the Lord. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a guilty sinner. Just in your own words, tell the Lord that you acknowledge your sinfulness. And Lord, I know that I don't deserve your love. But Jesus... I believe you died and rose again for me. Just tell him in your own words that you're placing your faith in him alone. And I want you to save me right now from my sin. Come into my heart and wash away all my sin. Just in your own words, tell him that you're receiving him and him alone by faith. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one is looking but me. You say, Preacher, I just prayed and sincerely asked Jesus to save my soul. If you would say that just now, would you lift your hand right now? Let me see it. Just lift it up high so that I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. I see those in the back. Anyone else? Along with these. Preacher, I just prayed and asked Jesus to save me. Anyone else? Along with these. All right, now let me say something to you if you just raised your hand. If you meant business on your end, God meant business on his. He's never turned away a sinner. And you came to him just now, he received you. That's a promise you can take all the way to the bank and for time and for eternity. And I want to encourage you, if you just raised your hands a said, Preacher, I just prayed and asked Jesus to save me. In a moment, we're going to stand. And we're going to give everybody that's here an opportunity to come. Some are going to come because they're burdened for lost family and friends. And they're going to come. You come. You come, pastor will be here at the front and greet you. Someone will give you verses of help and assurance. Don't be worried about what anybody says or think. You come and make this decision that you've made public before the Lord. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, everyone standing. Father, now we pray for those in this room that are burdened for family, for friends, for loved ones. Maybe they're here, maybe they're not. Maybe they have come to church before, maybe they have not. But these that are here are burdened for them to hear the gospel and be born again. I pray that they would come and lay those names before you at this altar and do business. And then Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray for these four or five that raised their hand said they just prayed and asked Jesus to save them. Help them to come and get verses of help and assurance as they've trusted Christ to save you. Thank you. Thank you that they've trusted you and put their faith in the Son of God. We praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, the pianist is giving us a chord. We're singing, just as I am, without one plea. If you just prayed and asked the Lord to save you, I want to urge you to come right now. Take Pastor by the hand and tell him as we sing. Just, just as I am without That's right, come on, from the side and from the back, come on, don't be afraid, come on right now, come on, come on to Jesus, would you, come on, that's right, come on from where you're at, come on right now. I come. The pianist is playing softly through this next verse in a moment. I'm going to ask everyone here that knows the Lord and that is burdened for someone that they're, they're praying for. Maybe they're in this service. Maybe they're outside, but you'd like to see them saved this week and in the coming days. I want to ask if you're saved here today and you have someone like that you're burdened for, you're praying for maybe they're here, maybe they're not. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now So, say preacher, pray with me for these. God bless you. I want you to come on this next verse as we sing. You can stand at the front you can sit in the front row, you can kneel if you need to, but you come and let's name them before the Lord. You bring them as we sing, just as I am Come on. And waiting not to rid my soul of one. Come on, from wherever you're at. Come on. From the side, from the back. It doesn't matter. You come on. That's right. God bless you. are bowed and eyes are closed these are coming in a moment we're going to sing that third verse i want to ask for two things in this next verse maybe there's someone near you this is unfamiliar to them they don't know much about a service like this and what it means and how to respond maybe you need to be the one that gives them encouragement and just whispers hey now's the time to trust christ i'll go with you if you need jesus i'll help you to jesus maybe now would be the time for that And if you're here and you didn't raise your hand saying, I know that I'm going to heaven, you can be saved. Just slip from your seat and come on to Jesus as we sing. Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt. Come on, Jesus is waiting, His arms outstretched. Your last day may be just feet away. Won't you come to Jesus? The pianist is softly playing. Would you just look this way for a moment? Just look this way. Oh, my heart's so full. I want to say I love this place. And one reason why I love it is because with expectation from the preacher to the people, there is an anticipation that God is at work right now and that God is willing and ready to work. And when we come to these services, there's an anticipation and a hunger that says, God, would you save someone today? Some have already come to be saved and that never, ever, ever gets old with me. I want to say there may still be someone that needs to be saved. Now look, folks, that's the reason we're here pastor's going to come and close the service as he sees fit in a moment. But that's the reason we're here. I know you may be sitting there saying, ah, it's a long way to the front, or I don't want to go up in front of all these people. That's fine. I'm here. Brother Paul's here. Pastor's here. There are numbers of people here that would be glad to open a Bible and answer your questions honestly and sincerely. But I want to say to you, with all that I can muster, don't put it off. Don't say no to Jesus. Don't delay. The time to come to Him is today. Pastor.
1: You know, there's some of you that I've known for quite some time. And, and uh, I pray for your soul. Mm. Something he didn't mention is don't let shame keep you from trusting him. Um, sometimes we're so ashamed. We think that there's no way that God can save us. <laughs> yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. Before you leave here today, if you have questions, you come and see me. I'll stay as long as I need to. I know Dwight, Paul, Wes, any of my family, I'll help you any way that we can. And, uh, Truly a blessing. What a blessing to see some that settled it today. Just settle it. Settle it when you know that when you walk out of here today, that if you were to die absent from the body, present with the Lord, no questions, no doubt, you're sure. Make sure of that. Make sure of that today. What a blessing. What a challenge today. God bless you for being here. I love Platte Valley Baptist Church. It's a blessing. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss. We're going to put you to work before you can eat. Uh, You know, we do believe if you don't work, you don't eat. So everybody's got to earn it here now. So.